Hi guys, before we get started with this week's episode, we just have a little bit of news for you. Oh yes. We do. The news is that we now have a dedicated section on the official Manchester United app just for our podcast. Mazad Garnet, loving it? Yes, loving it. We know what you're thinking. Why should I move my favourite podcast app all the way over to a new app? Well, two reasons. Reason one is that you will get the podcast a whole 24 hours earlier. I think that's a really good reason. That's 24 hours earlier than everywhere else. And you can be first in line to hear every new episode. Yeah, and reason number two is it allows us to bring you so much more than just the episode. So if we talk about goals, you'll be able to see the goals within the app and you'll also see associated articles and something a lot of people have requested. You'll be able to watch more episodes of the podcast all in one place which to me seems sensational mm -hmm. but if you're not convinced and want to stay where you are that's fine too we'll still bring you our pods right here every week as usual right here right now but also if you're on the app you won't have to sit through us telling you all this every time that's good isn't yeah, it yeah because this is going to get repeated if you're listening on something else but not on the app uh, anyway that's it the official Manchester United app now has a podcast section loads going on in there check it out now on with this episode download the app Rossi going to hit one here Rossi oh he's done it Giuseppe Rossi has sealed the three points with three and a half minutes to go what a moment for the teenager he'll remember that Rossi oh 3-1 he scored his premiership debut and are they delighted for him look at him they probably injured him in that scrum there where is he even Edwin van der Sar has printed 90 yards to join in the celebration that is Giuseppe Rossi that's brilliant Hello and welcome to another episode of the United Podcast. Maisie, Hi, how Sam. you doing? I'm good. You? Yeah, yeah, very good. Uh, we are currently, Maisie and I, on Zoom. Tasker's with us, but we don't have Helen. She is in Dubai currently. Maisie and I are here on Zoom and we recorded this chat that you're going to listen to in a minute with Giuseppe Rossi back in the summer, right after Italy beat England on penalties to win the European Championship. So... Mm. Trigger warning, you're going to hear a smug Italian <laughs> and he's very happy. Uh, I think Helen has sent us a message maybe to apologise that she's not here. Uh, I don't know if she apologises, but she definitely sends you a message. Right. Okay, here we go. Hi guys, sorry I can't be with you on this one. I'm on my holidays with the kids. Uh, they want to go to a water park today, so one, there will be no Wi-Fi and two, I don't think anybody wants to listen to screaming children in the background going down slides on a podcast. I really enjoyed this podcast, particularly listening to Giuseppe Rossi's commitment from his family to get him to where he was. So, yeah, hope you enjoy this one. And Maisie and Sam, I'll see you soon. Bye-bye. <laughs> talk, talk about rubbing it in. Yeah. Oh, I'm just going talk, to a water park, yeah. guys. Sorry about that. Yeah. It's like four degrees over here in Manchester, and she's like yeah. 35 degrees over there. Yeah. As I say, not really much by way of apology. Helen. I hope you get ducked under the water. <laughs> there well, you go. I think she'll have a very nice time. I'm uh, sure she will. But yeah, I was going to say, she made a good point talking about his parents and the sacrifices they made, but I don't want to spoil anything because obviously that's coming up in the podcast. So before we touch on all of that, we can talk about that at the end. What a, what an incredible career he had, all things considered. But also because when he was younger, everybody talked about Giuseppe Rossi, didn't they? He was probably a, a talent that everybody was looking forward to watching. Because he was so skillful. All right, yeah, he was small. It wasn't the the big frame of a of a Louis Sahar or somebody like that. But he, he he had incredible quick feet and an eye for goal that was that was incredible. It really was. He was um, he was a top player. But when you look at the players who were in front of him at Old Trafford at the time, Rooney, Ronaldo, Louis Sahar himself, uh, it was always going to be tough for him. But um, he still went on to have a really, really, really successful career. So I would say when we talked to Giuseppe, he was absolutely awesome. But it's worth remembering that despite the fact that we're talking to someone who played for Manchester United, there's going to be a bit of sadness in this one as well because he's someone whose career was expected to go so far. And obviously because of injuries and he had such bad injuries to his knee, it never quite made it, did it? No, and it's it's every footballer's nightmare. Just, you know, just as you get into the... I won't say the peak of your career, but the peak of your youth to get into the first team and to be to be um, chopped down, you know, five, I think it was five knee injuries or five knee surgeries in such a short time, took his toll on him. But having said that, it shows what great resilience he's got, what great character he has to continue. A lot of players, you know, can fall by the wayside and 
say, well, you know, what if? But fair play to him, he cracked on and, uh, and as I said, had a, had a great career around the world, really. Absolutely did. So let's find out more about it. This is our chat with Giuseppe Rossi. Giuseppe Rossi, welcome to the United Podcast. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. Uh, where are you in the world right now? What's life like for you? Obviously, we're coming to the end to an extent of all of the restrictions that everyone's been living under. How's that all been for you? It's been a very strange time, hasn't it? Yeah, I mean, I'm back in New Jersey now. So I'm here with uh, with my family. I have a seven-month-year-old, so that's something new that I'm getting used to. And um, I'm just staying fit, training, and just waiting for the next opportunity. I'm guessing you've enjoyed the last few weeks watching the Euros. Yes, I've enjoyed it a lot. <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us what you're up to at the moment then. Obviously, you've said you've got a seven-month-old baby, so I'm sure that you're very busy with that. But apart from that, what else have you been doing over the last few months? Last few months. Last few months. I've been training. I've been keeping fit. Um, just like I said, waiting for the next phone call. Um, it's a bit frustrating, obviously, just because, you know, we want to be out there. We want to be out there playing and uh, being part of something. But the positive side of that is that I'm home. I'm able to be a father. Uh, I'm learning. I'm, try- I'm helping my wife out. It's not an easy task. Uh, whoever have kids could uh, definitely uh, say that. Um, but that's the beauty, right? Um, certain things don't happen for a reason. And maybe this is a reason to spend time with my little one. Sounds absolutely perfect. So no thoughts at all about like uh, coming to the latter stages of your career. You're definitely focused on, you want to get back out there, you want to keep playing. Did you? Are you worried about where you play? Do you have any clubs in mind or you just want to get and play some football? At this stage of my career, I just want to continue having fun. I want to continue doing what I love to do, wherever it may be. I'm sure that they would appreciate what I'm able to bring on the field and just continue doing what I love to do. I mean, I've been doing this since I was a little, little kid. Uh, nothing brought me so much joy. Uh, so hopefully one day my little one can see me play. And of course, your career has taken you all around the world, which is quite unusual for some players just tend to stay in one country or yes. even just limited to Europe. Where out of all of those countries do you, have you felt most at home? Well, probably in the football sense. Definitely Italy. Uh, just because of the culture and how I was raised and, you know, having two parents from Italy that they came in here to America, uh, they came here to America, they met, they created, uh, they, they created a family here. Um, when I was 12, I went out to Italy. So when I had the chance to play for Fiorentina, I had the chance to play for Padma. Obviously, I felt more at home. But yeah, I mean, football wise, I see myself more of a player in Spain just because of my abilities and the way that I play. Uh, more of a technical side of, of the game. And um, and I enjoyed five years with Villarreal, and a, a year with Celta Vigo, a year with Levante. Uh, great, great times. What was life growing up uh, in the States as an early kid? As a little kid? I mean, it was great up to the point where you wanted to have a pickup game, a football pickup game. It was impossible because my boys, they all wanted to play basketball. They all wanted to play baseball, football. So trying to find a, a 3v3 was impossible. So um, what, what me and my family would do, me and my father, uh, my father played, so he loved the game. He taught me everything. Uh, we would get my mother and my sister, and um, I would be with my mother, he would be with my sister, and that was our pickup game for the week. So is that where your love of football came from, from your dad? Yeah, everything, everything. So what was it like, I guess, because... For those that don't know your story so well, they think, well, obviously you played for Italy. They might they might be confused by your accent now, but you grew up in New Jersey, right? Was that fun? What was what was the world like at that time? Um, let me see. So when I grew up, our the only thing that I remember growing up with the Italian national team was the '94 World Cup. Um, I was able to go to the '94 World Cup, watch Italy play against Ireland. We lost one nothing. Paluka got a red card because he touched the hand. Uh, he touched the ball with his hand outside the box, and we lost that game one nothing. And I, I think my dad got the wrong seats because we were among all the Irish people, <laughs> so that was uh, very hard to enjoy. But you know, we went on to the finals. Baggio missed the penalty kick, um, so that's something that I have in my head. Um, but yeah, I had to wait twenty years for Italy to win. In the 2006, and my little girl only had to wait seven months for Italy to win. So, the irony of that. 
Obviously, you've <laughs> taken the career um, in football. Was there anything else that interested you as a child uh, in terms of sport? Were you good at uh, anything? Not really. I mean, no. I participated maybe one time in a basketball uh, <laughs> shooting game at school. I got last place. I'm like, nah, this is horrible. I'm going to stick to soccer. Always just football, yeah. Always the ball. Who was your team? My team growing up? Yeah. It was Milan. That was my team when I was a little kid. My father was a little, uh, uh, was a, was a, he was a big fan of uh, Milan. We used to get up at nine o'clock in the morning, put on Rye and just watch our games on Sunday, hoping that the game would, would be Milan. Um, let me think back. Who, my boys that I love the most was Van Basten. I'm not sure if you ever played against them, David. I didn't know. No, thankfully, huh? thankfully not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Van Basten, Gulli, that era was my uh, was were the players that I really, really loved watching. Would you model yourself on him then, or would you take anything from his game? Um, I didn't take much from them just because of the different attributes that we have. Mm-hmm. But what I used to always watch were. Uh, video cassettes. They had video cassettes of the three Dutchmen, um, and my father had it, and I would watch it over, over, and again, and it just would teach you the like the fundamentals of the game, right? And my father was very hard on me with the fundamentals of the game, and always trying to hone though that skill, right? And and um, and that and today till today, I'm training by myself, right? And what is that I'm doing? I'm always working on my. Um, my fundamentals to make sure that my foundation is strong because then obviously everything branches out from that. So mm-hmm. in a way, I watched the video cassettes and that's what I got from them. Am I right in thinking, was your dad a coach? Because I know you said it was very difficult to get hold of players uh, or like just kids in the street to have a game with. How did you manage to progress? And, and like, were there clubs? Were there academies? How did it work? Yeah, basically, uh, I would play for my hometown. My dad saw that I was really good. That was a lot better than the players around here. So we had a couple of connects in, in Italy at Parma. So I went to do a soccer camp there at nine years old. I went there for three years in a row. And the third year, Parma was one of the teams that saw me there. It was like, hey, come and, uh, come and try out. So without thinking twice, my dad was like, let's go. I did well. They picked me up and we flew out. I cried for the first two months out there. I had to leave my mom. I had to leave my sister. It was so hard, man. Uh, but then you start getting used to it. You start speaking the language better. You start uh, playing, which was probably the easiest part. Um, just going to school, uh, you know, failing every class. So I had to get tutors. I never had a tutor in my life. I was a great student here in America. Um, so, yeah, it was a big adjustment, but but I made it. Because <laughs> <laughs> your, uh, your parents were both teachers, weren't they? Yes, they were. They were both Italian and Spanish teachers here in America. So I guess education was always important alongside the sport too. Oh, yes, it was. Yes, it was. Don't come back with a, with a failing grade. Otherwise, <laughs> you don't need. <laughs> <laughs> what, what was the difference between the, uh, obviously, going over from, or moving over from America to, to Italy? The standard must have been so much different. Did you adapt to that pretty quickly or was you always, so like, better than, than what was there? Yeah, you know what? I mean, the standard of football was different, big time, big, big time. Um, and going back to the fundamentals of the game, you could see that they're very – that they have it, um, not only technically but also tactically. Mm-hmm. And um, and that's something that I had to get used to. But I was a good player when I was a kid, so that wasn't really, um, really a huge issue. It probably was easier for me just because I had better players to help me during games or during training or whatnot. But just the culture outside of it, like outside of football was was night and day. I would see my friends like one time a week on a weekend on a, on a Saturday when there wasn't school. But these kids used to always get together, go to, you know, the like like the field and play soccer. I'm like, whoa, like it's that easy to get a pickup game here. <laughs> um, they would just be hanging out, going to the park or whatnot. And, you know, they were like 12, 13 years old. And I don't like, I, I couldn't go. I was still too young. Uh, but there was times where my dad would just let me go and making sure that I would get used to uh, being part of the group. You just named it a pickup game. Is that just like you just go and meet your mates and you just start playing? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. A pickup game is just like, so when I was in America, I would go door to door. I'd be like, yo, let, let's go play. Let's go play. Let's go play. Trying to gather up people, bring them to the park and just play just randomly. Is that, is that how you say it in England? Pickup game? No, right? No. <laughs> how, just, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I <laughs> hey, don't you apologize. How we're the uncultured ones it? and we're learning. I'd have just said kickabout. I know. I got, I got to learn too. So how do you say it? <laughs> but if, like when I was a kid, yeah. I would go and find people for a kickabout. Yeah. Kickabout. Yes, I should know. I should know. I, I lived it for Come two on. years. Come on. Kickabout. Sorry, boy. Don't you worry about it. Isn't that, there's no rules. We're all learning. It's a great fun. <laughs> so can I just ask about your family situation? So you went over with just your dad. Did your mum and sister come and join you? The first year, no. When I, was, when I first left, it was just me and my father. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it was me and my father for a whole year. That, and obviously my father had to go back to school. So my mom took a year off of school. And uh, came the year after uh, with my sister. And then after that, they couldn't take any more time off of work. So I had to stay a little bit. Uh, I had to stay six yeah. to seven months by myself. I was 14. I was not doing good in school. I was doing hard. It was the first time that I had some freedom. Um, I got, uh, instead of studying, I would be playing. Um, okay, so how do you say this in England? Uh, foosball? Yes? Yeah, yeah, ta- yeah. Table football. Awesome. Awesome. Yes. I would be playing a lot, a lot of foosball. I'll be playing a lot of PlayStation. I'll be going out around the parks, uh, chasing girls, doing all this stuff. And uh, and that was my life. Soccer wasn't really doing too well, too. Uh, I think I only had like eight goals in the first in the first uh, half of the season, which wasn't really good for my standards. So my dad came back and he's and he's like, we got to change something. We had a deep conversation for the first time in my that in, in my life that we ever had. What the hell are you doing, Jose? What's going on? Are you doing this? Are you doing that? I'm like, that. listen, I'm healthy, man. I'm not doing anything bad or nothing. I'm just enjoying life. And he's like, all right, I'm coming back. And I'll never forget that first day that he was back. I think I studied for five hours straight. And <laughs> I'll never forget. I had this big book that I had to memorize or whatnot. And, uh, uh, but then I was banging in goals um, from failing six classes. I failed only one. So thank God that 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 my dad came back. That was an incredible sacrifice from all of your family, and oh, yeah. eventually, a few years later, it did pay off. Tell us about how the move to Manchester United finally came about, and how did you first learn about that? All right, so I'm in training, and um, and I see this little short man, um, and he approaches me. He he approaches me, and he says. Um, uh, he says, do you know who I work for? I'm like, no, sir. I have no idea who you are. I don't know who you work for. He's like, give me your hand. So I take out. So I put my hand out here. He drops a pin. He's like, this is what I work for. I look, I'm like, Manchester United. I'm like, oh, shit. I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is a, this is crazy. Right. And he's like, yes, we're interested in you. I'm like, wow. So we got to talking. I go to the parking lot where my father is. We got to talking and um, contact started happening left and right. We had somebody fly over, talk contracts. There you go. And then June, no, I'm sorry, June, what was it? July, that's when we flew out to uh, to Manchester United, to character. Who who was that man? Yeah, because what a oh, weird way to introduce yourself to someone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was, I never saw this dude before in my life. Uh, David Williams, you guys heard about him? No one? Yeah, yeah, David, yeah. No. yeah. 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 You team coach, yeah. yeah. How was that? How did, how, did, how did you feel about that then? Just, was you, was you actually training and you finished training? Yeah, I was training with the second team. I was 16 years old. I was, I was training with the, sorry, I was 17, training with the second team of Padma. And he just, he's just waiting by the gate. He's just waiting by the gate. And, um, how do you, how did, like, how did you not spoke to Palmer to say that, listen, I'm going to have a quick word with Giuseppe here? Nope, because I wasn't under contract. All ah, right. I was not under contract at all. And when all this came about, this is, that's when they finally wanted to get me under contract. Yeah. Arigo Saki. Arigo Saki was the director of Parma and he brought me and he brought me and my father to his office and saying, no, listen, you can't do this. You can't leave. It's un- unethical here and there. I'm like, I'm like, my man, yeah. uh, you have, you have, you have a good talent and you don't want to take care of them. And then it's obviously going to happen where uh, teams are going to poach his good players. And not only me that year, also another player named Arturo Lupoli, he got also picked up from Arsenal. So there were like his, like the good two players from their, from their youth system being picked up. So they did not have to go through Padma. It was, uh, it was something direct. 
Was it something you had to think about a lot? Was it something you spoke to your dad about a lot? Or were you just convinced from the moment that pin dropped in your hand that Manchester United was where you wanted to go? Nah, man. Manchester United Manchester United. I didn't think <laughs> twice. You kidding me? Uh, my, we, uh, we had Jim Ryan fly out. He was the... I love Jim Ryan, man. He's awesome. Yeah, he's great, nice. great guy. I love that guy. He came out and um, and we had good conversations, me, my father, and uh, Williams, and, um, and present the contract. I'm like, of course, where do I sign or why not? Funny story. So when I was thir- uh, 13 or 14, I write letters to my best friend back home. And on this letter that I wrote back, uh, that I wrote to him, um, it said, uh, his name is Rafael. I'm like, Rafael, when, uh, excuse me, one day uh, uh, you're going to be crossing a ball for me and I'm going to come in, head the ball, and we're going to be playing for Manchester United. So when I first, so when I signed at 17 and I made my debut and I played my first year, he showed me that letter. I'm like, what? This is ridiculous. So like dream came true. It's crazy. Crazy. Oh my God. Love it. Love it. It's amazing. Yeah. So tell us about making the move over to Manchester, meeting Sir Alex, getting to the training ground for the first time. What was that experience like for you? Crazy, crazy. First person we see was Giggsy, who was walking out. And, you know, we're walking through. He was actually my dad's favorite player growing up. Um, yeah, so, like, we saw Giggsy first, and then we went straight to Sir Alex Ferguson's uh, office. And, um, you know, you're thinking of Sir Alex, um, you know, the name, just the person that he is that you see on TV, but he's just down to earth, man. He's just so cool. He was, you know, very uh, chill and relaxed and made us feel at home. And I think that's one of his, uh, well, one of his way for that people can never say anything bad about him because he's just a great person in that sense. What uh, did you talk about in that meeting? Was it all about football or did he talk to you about other stuff? Yeah, just getting just just getting to know about the Man United's culture and telling me how things are, and as if he's saying, "Yeah, these are the fields are here. This is what we do. This and that." And I'm like, "I'm like, wow, man, cool." Uh, I was just mesmerized by I was just mesmerized just by being in his presence. I was just mesmerized by being in his presence. Who was the centre forwards then? So we had Van Nistelrooy, we had Luis Saha, we had Wayne Rooney. He just signed. Those are the three top guns, yeah. Wow. So it was impossible to get playing time. Impossible. <laughs> <laughs> you said about the difference when you made the move from the States to Italy. What about the move from Italy uh, to Manchester in terms of training? What differences did you notice? Uh, the intensity was times 10. It was something that obviously I wasn't accustomed to. Um, I'm thinking, I don't even think I ever played against an English team in the youth yeah, I don't think I've never played against English team, so I was really not used to it or whatnot, not even on the national team level. So um, something different. Um, and, but I picked up a lot of I picked up a lot of things. Um, I know that if you're not as intense as they are, one, you're going to get hurt, and two, they're not going to respect you. So I had to make sure that, you know, that was something uh, that I had to do. Um, when I went back to the under-21 national team, after spending a few weeks, excuse me, months with, with Man United, um, I used to wear studs. And in Italy, you don't wear studs. <laughs> Barely wear studs. So every time in training I had studs, people would be like, what the? I know, and I was stepping by accident. He's like, they're cussing me out. Like, what the hell are you doing? You and your English style. Like, like, like go back to England. I'm like, bro, I have to be like this if I want to, you know, be the part and, you know, be part of the group. So it's a, it was a big culture change, but I loved it. I loved it. I, used to, I grew up in the ranks with Chiellini and then, on the, and then the under 21s, whenever I would, I would slide tackle in like, you know, uh, in the keepaways. I would slide tackle here left and right and nobody would be doing it. And Chiellini would always come up to you. He's like, England changed you, man. England changed you. I love it. <laughs> yes. Yes, it did. Yes, it did. That's cool. So we've talked about the slight difference in the culture. You moved from... New Jersey, you went to Parma, now Manchester. What was that like? Because that's another very different place. Yeah, sorry, I didn't even answer that question. Um, <laughs> um, different, man, different. I mean, it, obviously it rained every single day, uh, but it's okay. Because, not today, not today. It's glorious, Paul. You know what? I see I see a few rays behind you, dude. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was just, it was different because of that, but 
who cares because you're getting the best football in the world and I'm there mm-hmm. to play football, correct? So you so you just adapt and you just make sure that, you know, you get stuff done. Did all your, uh, Giuseppe, did all your family come yeah. over again with you? Or was it your dad this time? Or I was always my father. My father came back, just him. Okay. Just him. So, yeah, it was just me and my father. What was it, what was it, like, what was it like for your dad? Have you spoke about the, obviously over the last 20 years you've been playing football, but do you ever talk about the times of being at United and thinking, wow, remember that? Or, you know, living in the same house and going out and living the lifestyle of a footballer of, at Manchester United? Yeah, I mean... He must, he must have been so proud of you. Yeah, my dad's not around anymore, so it's hard to have those conversations. But I remember we have some great, great... Um, we do have some great memories. And mm-hmm. one of the great memories is uh, is actually in 2006 when, when we did win the World Cup. And I never saw my father so happy. Right. So happy. And same thing. I, I never cried after winning, after seeing a team play. I never saw my father cry after seeing a team play. So I'll never forget that on July 9th, 2006, like we were hugging like crazy. And I'm like, my dad would never show so much emotion. You know, he's a, he's a hard nosed Italian guy. You know what I mean? So just seeing him like that was amazing. Um, but outside of that, my dad was uh, the one who would find the restaurants. Right. And we're big on our food. So we found a couple of good Italian restaurants and he would make good friends with them. He would go play cards with them at the end of um, uh, every weekend. So he would try and find his buddies where, you know, he could at least enjoy instead of just being cooped up in a home always with me. Um, So that was his like pastime. He loved going to the Trafford Center. So we used to go to the Trafford Center every time. Uh, He loved Selfridges. So we used to go to Selfridges a lot. (laughs) So he found his way to embed into the culture. What about you in terms of your teammates? Who did you quickly form a bond with? Did you find that easy enough? Yeah, it was easy enough. Um, my first my first friend was uh, Piquet, just because we signed literally the same day. I think he signed the day after me. Um, so we were in it together for the first, from, from the first day. We had a little you know group, uh, Marcus Neumeyer. He was a German player. Um, we had Florian Engolula, who was a Belgian player. Uh, I'm just smiling because of uh, mm-hmm. it's just so cool uh, thinking about all the things that we've done and stuff. Um, that was like our little click, but obviously, you know, being a farm player, you would always gravitate towards other farm players. But then we, uh, I grew great bonds bonds with uh, Fraser Campbell. We had a great great partnership up top. Um, well, else was there? Uh, we had Johnny Evans. Um, we had Darren Gibson, Danny Simpson. He, he was a cool guy. Um, yeah, so we had some uh, Tom Heaton, which I just actually sent him uh, a, um, a tweet uh, the other week just saying congratulations. I'm so happy mm-hmm. that he's actually uh, back playing um, on the first team. Great, great kid. I love that kid. <laughs> yeah, man. Good, good times. Great times. Do, do you ever stay in touch with Johnny Evans? No, no, I haven't kept in touch with uh, many players. Uh, Marcus Neumeyer, once in a while, I do text him. Uh, PK, I spoke to him maybe like a few years ago. Uh, but me and him, we played against a lot of each other, so we would see each other, you know, twice a, uh, twice a year whenever we played. So, Helen, do you have Helen? Do you ever speak to Johnny? Why are you making? Why are you doing that? Because <laughs> funny. Uh, Helen is married to Johnny. Oh, really? <laughs> Oh, cool. Yeah. Say hi to John for me. Yeah, say hi to John Evans for me. Oh, man, that's so cool. I, I didn't know that. Yeah. Go on, Helen. Is he, Helen, is he in? He's not. Ah, oh, it's a shame. We could have had a lovely little reunion on the podcast. All right, well, I'd love to say hi to him. Yeah, definitely say hi to him. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, so I have a, a question for you. So we've spoken to lots of people, lots of them that have come through the academy, all that have had varying degrees of success in the world of football, some at United, some who didn't make it to the first team. And I remember as a kid that the person we all needed to know about was Giuseppe Rossi. So there's obviously a lot of pressure when you're at Manchester United, and like you talked about in training, like you had to be at that level, otherwise they wouldn't respect you. Were you aware of one, just I guess the, the general expectation on you for being a Manchester United player, but beyond that, that you were the player I think that was most talked about as the one who was the one we should be paying attention to, that the fans around the world should be thinking, oh, Rossi's on the bench today. Hopefully we'll see him for a little bit because there was a lot of excitement about you. Yeah, I mean, listen, uh, 
I was doing very well with the reserves. Um, I got my chances to train with the first team. And, um, you know, every day you, you had to bring it. Every day that you were there, you had to bring it. There was no off days, especially for a young lad like me, right? Um, so we had to make sure that I had to make sure that I was on my A game every single time, not take anything for granted. Yeah, you're there, but you didn't make it. You know what I mean? You still have to make it. So that was my mentality going in. And um, each time I had that that taste of the first team, I wanted to make sure that I got uh, – that I didn't get yelled at or I didn't um, have somebody say something to me just because I missed the pass or I missed that or um, I should have done something else. So I always wanted that approval by, from the big guys, right, from the Giggsies to the Scolzies to the Gary Neville, the Rios. Um, and that's what I was looking for every single training session, right? And um, luck. Luckily enough, I didn't get so much, you know, yelling at or whatnot, like maybe how other younger guys did because I brought something. I brought it. I was doing what I had to do in order to uh, feel a part of the team and make them feel comfortable having me on their side. I never wanted to lose a ball. Oh, gosh. I never, never wanted to lose a ball because I wanted to make sure that they kept feeding me and kept trusting me with it, right? Mm -hmm. So I had to make sure that I gained that trust from the guys. And um, you know, each session went by, each training session went by, and um, I felt as if that happened. So I was very uh, proud and happy for that. Tell us about your debut then on uh, with the first team. What was that moment like for you and your family? It was awesome. It was awesome. Uh, Crystal Palace, uh, I'm in front of 70,000. I think we won 1-0. Um, I'm coming in, I forgot, 70th minute, 75th minute. I was only 17 years old, so that was crazy and like shaking uh first ball that came near to me was a maybe I was on the 18 ball was in the air I'm like I'm gonna crack this right up for 90 boom I, I wind up I take I take I try to take a shot I totally missed the ball and uh, it was totally embarrassing but I made sure that I chased it that I chased the ball to get it back to pass it to the to 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 the left back so I, I definitely made up for it but just touching the ball one time just made me feel a little bit more chill, a little bit more relaxed. And, um, and yeah, it was 15 amazing, amazing moments. I'll never forget. You just mentioned there, that was like a little bit of an American commentary there. Oh, really? So I, the, the upper 90 boom. The upper 90 the boom. The upper 90 boom. Yeah. So I'd say that's a, that's you, right? Yeah, top, top bin. bin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Top bin, top bin, top bin. <laughs> You've been away too long, mate. That's what it is. It's been too long. <laughs> I liked it. Uh, and then, of course, your league debut followed, as did your goal. Yes, so it was against Sunderland. I remember coming in, winning 2-0. I come in for Van Nistelrooy. They score 2-1 to one, um, right away when I enter. Rooney gives me a ball. I take a shot. Goal, and it was it was mayhem. It was, it, it was mayhem. A couple of months ago, somebody put up a picture of Rio. Like, they all jump at me, and Rio was holding me like this. Right. Like I couldn't breathe or nothing. <laughs> and I totally forgot about that moment. But when I saw that hand right on my face, I felt like it was like a PTSD thing. I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> 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 so, so it was so cool seeing that. Um, I'll never forget. It was Ben Nisper who he already had a yellow card. And we were really good friends, me and Rude. Right. He, we used to live uh, very close to each other. And. Um, sometimes I didn't have my driving license yet. So my father would take me and sometimes we would pick him up and he would come with me and my father to training. So we would drop him. So we would drop him off and we created a cool little bond even on the field. And I watched him every single time. One of the best strikers yeah. I've ever seen or played his quickness around the box, how he, I don't know, how he just wound up with a little bit of like, uh, like just with like a little bit of a wind up and getting so much force and accuracy it was ridiculous, ridiculous. But anyway, um, yeah. And Rude wanted to like come on the field and jump on, but like they were holding him back. They didn't want to get him like another yellow card. So <laughs> when I saw that, it was just, oh man, it was so fulfilled. And I feel like, yeah, okay. Like I made it now let's stay. Right. And that was my mentality then, but it felt so, so cool having the guys out there. That's brilliant. Brilliant. Did you feel an immediate connection with the fans at United? Yeah, they were awesome, man. They, they, they've always supported me. They still do today. Listen, I've only played how many games? I've played 16 games with Manchester United, but they still continue showing me so much love till today. And I think that's, you know, uh, 
that just shows um, how how much they love the club, right? How much uh, I'm sure David gets stopped every single second. Like everybody's always, always remembers um, the players, even if you play hundreds of games like David or 16 games like me. So it's it's just great. It's just great. I came back to train actually last year, was it? A year and a yeah. half ago with the guys, right? And uh, people are like, wow, Giuseppe. I'm like, you guys still remember me? I'm like, <laughs> damn. I'm like, wow, okay, cool. So I, I had to leave a little bit of a mark, I guess. Brilliant. Love that. Hey, to play one game for Man United is something special, mate. So, you ah, know. It definitely is. Imagine, it definitely is. I don't think people understand that. Yeah, exactly. You look at the world's population, 7 billion, and how many people out there would love to play one game for Manchester United? And you've done ah. it 16 times. Yes, it's, it's the best feeling ever. It really is. I'm proud it of is. that, definitely. Do you know the League Cup? Uh, you was part of the League Cup winning run in 2006. Yes. Did Nemanja Vidic give you a medal? His medal? Yeah, great guy. Great, great guy. Beautiful gesture. Um, I played all the games up to the final mm-hmm. or up to the semifinal. I forgot what it was, right? But I played the first four or five games of it. And then Nemanja gets signed, correct? Uh, in January. Yeah. And the final was in February. Uh, so obviously he was part of the team. He goes, he's on the bench and then I get sent up to the stands and we win the game and, you know, they're given the medals. Obviously we go down and we celebrate, we go around with the cup and whatnot. And then in the change room, he's, or on the field, I'm sorry, on the field, he's like, Giuseppe, this is yours. You, uh, you deserve it more than me. And I was like 17, 18 years old. I'm like, all right, thank you. So I take it. <laughs> Obviously, I take it. I'm like, yeah, it's mine. You're right. You're right. I deserve this. And um, and then, like, obviously, you think about the gesture, and it was like, wow. Like, not many people would have done that. Not many no. people would have done that. So it's just a testament of what a great guy he is. Um, uh, he was an amazing, amazing center back. Uh, so scared to go against him in training. Um but what a hell of a guy, man. What a hell of a guy. That's so nice. Was there anyone in training that you sort of thought, oh, I don't want to... I mean, you got your big studs on, but was there anyone you did like to stay away from or who was maybe a bit too intense? Well, probably Nemanja. Probably Nemanja. He would treat training as if it was a game, as if he's playing against, you know, uh, uh, <laughs> Arsenal or Chelsea or City or whatnot, right? So he was definitely somebody who was like, all right, where is he, right? <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, it, it was... It, it was still fun. It was still fun to go against them even in training. What was your favourite moment in a United shirt or indeed at your time at United, not necessarily on the pitch? Yeah, good question. I mean, all the moments I think of with Manchester United obviously are the moments on the pitch. I mean, I'll never forget on my first tour that I did with them. We went to We went to China and I never knew how loved Manchester United is in China. And I literally just signed that summer. We go out there and you have these two Chinese ladies that have like signs up Rossi. And I'm like, what the hell is this? I'm like, <laughs> I just like, this is weird. I never had nobody have a sign up for me. And, um, and I, I come back from, I come back from, uh, uh, from the tour. Somehow I see it um, on the internet and I make sure that I put it as my screensaver. For a moment. <laughs> That's brilliant. Oh, nice. Brilliant. So stupid, but, yeah. <laughs> Got a lot of time for that. Um, so I suppose what followed was that you went out on loan and you went to Newcastle. Was yeah. that your choice? Was that Sir Alex's idea? How did that come about? And I guess the follow-up question will be, why did it maybe not work out in the way that we all hoped it would? Um, yeah, so it was a mutual decision that we said that, you know, we sat down and we... And uh, we talked about um, it was the right move for my career just to get games and, you know, to continue uh, furthering my career. Um, I, it didn't work out, unfortunately. Um, I do not know why. Um, very different style of training. And I don't know. I just – coach wasn't the best. But whatever. That's another discussion we have off air. But um, – it was actually funny because we, our last game on December 26th or whatever it was, um, was against Manchester United. 
So the coach then, um, he would, uh, he would not make me part of anything during training or during, I'm like, why the hell am I being put aside? And he's like, Oh, because we're playing against Manchester United. I don't want you to like call up the team and tell them what we're doing. And I'm like, <laughs> bro, you're clueless. You are clueless. <laughs> clueless. He got no idea what he's talking about. But anyway, listen, you can learn from bad experiences too, which I did. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a great experience. Uh, I grew with that. And then I went on loan to Parma uh, right after that, January to May. And that's where everything uh, flourished. Was it good to get back home to Italy? Oh, it was awesome, man. It was yeah. awesome. I felt at home, talking about before with Helen, right? I just felt so much at home at, um, in Italy um, that I was a little bit more loose. I had somebody who believed in me, Ranieri. Mm-hmm. He, he was the coach. And um, and he believed in me. I was 19 years old. Um, not many people would rely on a 19-year-old kid. We were second to bottom um, in relegation zone. And, yeah, those – those six months, we went up to, I think it was like ninth place. So we had a great, amazing second half of the season. Ranieri came on. I came on. There was another player. So, yeah, it, it, it was great um, to have somebody of that caliber of a coach to trust me. And while you're doing that, are you thinking, are you just enjoying it? Because obviously you're playing more games. You're trusted by the manager. You're scoring more goals. Are you thinking you're just enjoying it or are you always thinking... I hope they're watching at Old Trafford. No, no. I hope they're watching. I hope they're watching. And um, and when I got back, um, we had a discussion on, you know, where where do we go from here? And uh, the discussion I had was with Kadosh, um, Carlos Kadosh. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, he had his players coming in. Uh, he yeah. had his nanny, his, his Andersons coming in. Obviously, um, you know, those were his guys. Um, maybe he saw me as a threat. Maybe he saw me as something. So he wasn't really – he gave me other type of advice to the advice or to what Sir Alex and Ferguson felt, right? Uh, he would have loved for me to stay on. Obviously, there's no guarantees in football, obviously. Mm-hmm. So you, you, had, you had to work for your minutes. But I feel like I was able to do so. Um, but, you know, you didn't get the love also from the other side you know, being Kadosh and he had a very important role in the, in the team and whatnot. Um, so we all thought that the best thing was to, what was to go and leave. Um, and that's when I joined Villarreal. Was that difficult? I imagine that's, that's quite tough. Yeah. I mean, it sucks just because, you know, it's Man United, man. You want to be there, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, you also want to, uh, you also want to feel as if you are part of it, right? Mm-hmm. And obviously talking to Sir Alex Ferguson, it, it, you feel it, right? You feel as if you are part of it. Um, he would have loved uh, for me to stay where not. Obviously, there's no guarantees, but that wasn't the problem. Um, Carlos Queiroz had a big influence during that time. And um, and I was just not on his uh, – I was just not on his side. So – um, I, obviously, we picked up and that we understood things that you know were said to me, and uh, the best solution was to do it somewhere else. Looking back on that time, would you have done anything different now? Obviously, now you're obviously you're a lot older and a lot wiser. Would you just thought, do you know have, what? I'm going to hang around there a little bit longer. I would have probably stayed. I would have probably stayed. Um, I would have probably stayed only because Kadosh left after like two years. So I would have probably left there, but I can't take away no. what I did when I went to Villarreal because that's where I cemented myself as, as you know, a, a very guy. good player and whatnot, and gaining uh, the respect of the football world. So it's a you know, whichever way I went, would have probably been good. So uh, did I want to have uh, three hundred presents or games with Manchester mm-hmm. United? Of course, of course, but. Um, you know, it's how the cookie crumbles. Is that how you say it there? <laughs> yeah. 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 All sayings are coming out. Yeah. Ching, ching. Ching, ching. <laughs> so, of course, you were at Villarreal. And as you say, you, you produced some of your best football, your 32-goal season. Uh, Villarreal finished fourth. And people were talking about you constantly. But, of course, yeah. the other side was you had that terrible injury when you were there. That must have yeah. been a real low. Yeah, man. Sucks. It's part of the... 
it's part of the game. It's part of the game, you know. Um, you have to take it on the chin. You have to keep the dream alive, right? Mm. Uh, you have these bad injuries. I didn't have only one. I've had five. It's a lot. Uh, five very bad ones. Is it all the same knee? No, nah, three and two. Um, but uh, you have to keep the dream alive. You have to keep the dream alive, and that's what I did, man. I, I live and breathe this game. Um, I sacrifice as, as we talked about all my life for this, but not only me, my family, right? So uh, just because something, um, doesn't go my way, doesn't mean that I'm going to quit. It doesn't mean that I'm going to give up on everything, right? It's a disservice to myself. It's a disservice to my family and what they've done, uh, for me to get to these levels. And, um, and yeah, long processes, uh, excuse me, it's always a long process, uh, with these injuries, but Hey, uh, I always, uh, I always attack it day by day, making sure that even little tiny bit of strides are big satisfactions and um, just keep it alive. Keep the dream alive. That's all. Beautiful. Giuseppe, we are going to let you go because we know that um, we could go on and on about all the other clubs and appearances and goals that you've scored. But before yeah, we I hear go, the baby crying add, right now. I can hear, I can hear. I wasn't sure where his house it was in. I was like, is that Sam's house? My house? Or... Um, I just want to ask you before you go, yes. obviously, about playing for Italy. Yes. Um, Captain the side as well, I believe. What, yes. what was that experience like for you? Yeah, dream come true. Dream come true. Uh, I grew up watching them play. Um, in America, like I said, me and my dad, we watched Serie A, we watched the Italian national team. Um, I went to watch them in the 94 World Cup. So being part of it, being an essential part of the, the teams that I was, uh, that I was with, uh, then captain, being the captain for one game against Romania, um, it, it's, the, it's like the cherry on top, right? Um, so... Yeah. Yeah, man, dreams, dreams come true. Dreams come true, and um, I was lucky enough to to live the, uh, those moments. That's awesome, Giuseppe. Thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. Thank you all. I appreciate it, man. Any recommendation of any former players that you've played with at Manchester United that you think would make a good podcast for us? We have actually haven't spoken to Nemanja Vidić, funnily enough. Or Johnny I think Evans. We've done like ninety of these, and we've not spoken to Nemanja Vidić or Johnny Evans. No. I was, I was just about to say, Johnny Evans would be a good Yeah, he would, he would make a good one, wouldn't he? I think so too. Yeah, can't get hold of him. Maybe maybe one of the players that you mentioned out of your little group. There was Pique. Who else did you say, sorry? Pique. We have Marcus Neumeyer. Mm-hmm. We have uh, Engalula. I mean, Johnny knows them all well. You have uh, Gibbo, Darren Gibson, Danny Simpson. Fraser Campbell. We'll try and get one of them on. It'll be fun. Yeah, they got good stories. But Giuseppe, we'll let you go. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much, guys. I appreciate it. It was fun. Thank you. Catch up. Oh, up a 90 boom, Maisie. What's that all about, Sam? <laughs> what is that? Up a 90 boom. I quite That's like quality. it. That's brilliant. Yeah. That's brilliant. Sound, sounds like a place you'd have gone drinking in your youth. This sounds like a good place. It does. Yeah. Maisie no, down up was, a 90 boom. Yeah, that was uh, that was really good. I loved it. It was, it was really good, so, yeah. so good. So good. Uh, as, a, as a defender, I'm sure you enjoyed the story about Chiellini and the studs and how uh, he said United changed him. That's brilliant, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, especially when you look at Chiellini now, the way he plays, he's so aggressive. I mm-hmm. love the oh, way yeah. he plays. He is an absolute leader and Trojan on the pitch. Mm-hmm. And... Probably one, one reason why they actually did win the Euros was because of the way he played him and Benucci yeah. next to each other. They were, they were sensational. But yeah, what a story that is. Yeah. Yeah. He comes back wearing studs and... Uh, yeah. Yeah. Kicks everybody smash in the everyone. training, smash everyone training. England's changed you. Brilliant. <laughs> uh, one thing I am curious on your opinion about is that Vidic gave him his League Cup winner's yeah. medal. I find it fascinating that any sports person would win something and just give it away. Even if he didn't play, you'd still think, well, that's a medal. I've won that. I'm in the squad. Mine. Uh, I, th- I think when you look at that, Sam, I think you look at the characters who do that. And I think, obviously, Vida didn't... I'm not sure if he played any games in that, in that tournament that season. Yeah. And Giuseppe did. And he thought it was it was nice to to give it Giuseppe. And I think that just that's just the type of person Vida is. It's absolutely brilliant. Great story. Yeah. yeah. Says everything about him as a leader, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. It does. When you look at people like that, you just look at 
you know, the younger players coming through that have contributed that season to that. And um, no, it was, um, it was really kind of them. Very nice. Yeah, it was really good. Um, right, should we do some emails? Fire away. Okay, right. Uh, I've got one here from Solthu, who says, Hey, Sam, Helen and Maisie, I'm a huge Manchester United fan from South Africa. I love your podcast. I make sure I don't miss any. The Quinton Fortune podcast got me wishing to be a guest one day. Keep it up. Well, uh, we could have you as a guest, but you've got to get yourself in the first team. That's probably the rule, Tasker. Would you say that's the rule? Or a kit man? Or... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just get yourself, a, get yourself in there. Yeah, yeah got to get a sort of a role in there but we believe in you you can do it uh, Matthew Dresser says hello uh, Sam Helen and David that, not Maisie David this one's a bit more formal yeah, it's Sunday first off yeah first off I wanted to pass along a massive thank you for reading off my email from last year in the RVP episode this is his second shout out uh, I always enjoyed hearing the emails from the fans at the end of the episode and it was an absolute shock to hear you guys read about my email I proceeded to tell my family and friends and they sent them the episode afterwards. Well, he sent them the episode. Quite the memory. The new season of the podcast has been phenomenal and it was excellent to hear Sir Alex's episode in particular. I'm hoping to find tickets to get over there for Arsenal, Palace and Young Boys games. It'll be the perfect setup for a travelling fan and we'll certainly catch up on episodes on the flight over if it all works out. That's a great plan. Uh, all this to say, love what you guys are doing. Keep up the great work. The podcast continues to be a highlight even during some tough times for the club. And I continue to look forward to listening to the episodes on Monday on the official app, of course. Cheers, Matt Dresser. Matt, thank you very much. And thank you for your latest email. Uh, and finally, Maisie, if you open your WhatsApp, I don't know if you have yet, we can finally see that the the, um, the tattoos that Marcus got. Because you know, he emailed us saying... No, this is a different guy. This is a different guy. Oh. So that was Simon. He's saying he's not oh, yeah. Simon. I thought that was a reference to me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and Maisie, remember we had Simon's email um, yeah. and he'd done some tattoos. He didn't email them to us, but he sent us them on Twitter so we could see them. Well, now Marcus has heard that and he wants to show off his tattoos and he's got a huge collection. Wow. He has. How many arms has he got? Don't see a David May on there though. No David May. Yeah, no Maisie on there. No. Yeah, it's a twisting. I can see uh, Scolzi and Giggs, David De Gea, Ronaldo, yeah. Rio, Rio. Gaffer, yeah. Yeah. He must have room for you somewhere, on his foot or something. Got to be room for Maisie. Yeah, just to, uh, yeah, anything. Or on his backside. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> don't send one of your backside. <laughs> do not. But if you get Maisie's face on it, please do send us a picture of your backside. <laughs> do not. That's the, that's the only scenario in which we want. Well, that's probably enough for this episode. <laughs> Thank you very much for listening, as always. Cheers, Can't guys. a better way to leave. Uh, if you want to get in touch, send us an email. You know the address. It's in the show notes, but it's Podcast. No, it's unitedpodcast.maynight.co.uk. We'll see you next time. <laughs>